This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Kids, do you like professional wrestling? Well, we like professional wrestling too. It is a we also like Mr. Wrestling too. But <laughs> it is Revolution Week for AEW. I am Jeff Hawkins. He is Chris Novembrino. Chris is having a good week. He's happy. He's clean shaven. It's a, it's a, it's a young baby face, Chris Novembrino, that I saw before we turned off the video. Mm, but always heel on the microphone, Hawkins. Always heel on the microphone, yes. Uh, some quick plugs because I'd love me some me. Um, over on the Fightful Overbooked YouTube channel, two videos of me uh, dropped this week. One that was recorded around the time of Royal Rumble, talking about Bunkhouse Stampede 88 and its tie into the creation of the Royal Rumble. And uh, this week on Thursday, uh, uh, me and Joel Pearl talked. Uh, history of the dog collar match and uh, went through some of the important dog collar matches in history. It's origin. He's like, so if you like history, Jeff gone over to the old fightful overbooked. If you like modern day wrestling, Jeff, for some reason uh, over on fight game network, uh, myself, Paul Fontaine, who hosts the dynamite show after dynamite every week are joining the boom show with uh, James McDaniel and Kevin Ely doing a pre-show for uh, revolution will be on that channel starting an hour before. So, you know, put us on the computer and put the uh, pre-show on the, uh, on the big screen. Be a fun time had by all. I think um, Chris, you got any plugs you want to get in right now? Or are you going to wait till the end? No, I mean, if you want guitar <laughs> lessons, you can always hit me up on Twitter. I teach guitar lessons. I'm pretty good at teaching guitar lessons. It's what I do for a living. So if you want guitar lessons, hit me up. There we go. Uh, big story of the week, depending on who you ask. <laughs> Although it is a fairly big story, but, but you know, it's always the, the big announcement always seems kind of uh, facetious in some ways when, when, when announced by AEW. But uh, Tony Khan has bought the rights to Ring of Honor, including the videotape library. Uh, I got into a bit of a fight on wrestling Twitter because I kind of poo pooed this. Um, yeah, uh, fight, uh, fightful. Our friend Sean Rossap over there said it in previous years that, uh, or in previous bids that had been, he had heard bids around ten million, around forty million. He had heard a bid of thirty million for half of uh, Ring of Honor and their and their assets. Uh, Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer reports that one person with knowledge of WWE is attempting to buy the company. Said, "quote Smart move regarding Khan." Even smarter counter move to WWE fumbling the ball on the purchase, which definitely would have happened had Levesque not gone down, Levesque being Triple H. Besides the complete mess that has happened to NXT, this is the first sign of Levesque's absence. He would have pushed this through. He was flirting with the idea in 2018 when Vince McMahon started thinking, let's buy New Japan, which never went anywhere. Unknown what is to be done with Ring of Honor and their video library. One big positive is that Ring of Honor owned the rights to All In, the first pay-per-view that started us down the road to AEW by Cody and the Young Bucks. Um, 
thoughts that they might go with a streaming service of some way, perhaps even a hub on HBO Max. Those rumors abound. They will be, still be running Supercard of Honor in Dallas, and there's a possibility of AEW talent being put there. Uh, I don't. Nobody knows yet the future of trying to sell a show with Ring of Honor branding just yet, or if it's just going to be rebranded AEW. Chris, I am not a big Ring of Honor fan. Uh, my my tweet was congratulations on the number two company buying the number four company, even though the number four company was dead. Uh, I I have dismissed this a bit. Former host of this show, Rob McCarron, a big Ring of Honor guy, says I can't see the forest from the trees here. I understand there's some value in the Punk and Danielson and Samoa Joe video libraries and for other talent that's on Adam this Cole. roster. And yes, uh, on this roster and stuff. Um, I will I will let you give your opinion before I give a little bit more analysis. So. I, I think you buried the lead here. Tony Khan had just the promo of his life on Wednesday. Night. Well, it wasn't that fantastic. That guy is dynamic. He looks into the camera. Those eyes larger than life. It's just screaming at the top of his lungs. Clearly enjoying himself way too much. What a what a dazzling promo. Remembering his lines. Yeah. Yeah. No, Mr. Khan really, <laughs> really nailed it here on Wednesday night. And, and I think that it's kind of to your shame that you bury the lead on that one. <laughs> now, as to the AEW, or I'm sorry, the dub, ROH tape library, I, I was not a huge fan of ROH either. And the reason I was not a huge fan of ROH is that the production quality was all over the place. So... I think what the ROH library is useful for is one. Now WWE doesn't have access to it. Two, when AEW wants to make, you know, specials on Danielson, on Adam yeah. Cole, Noah Joe, on these type of people, uh, Christopher Daniels, uh, you now have this tremendous tape library to actually pull from um, and, and really sort of establish the historicity. I think it also matters because it establishes AEW as like sort of the new like Pepsi to WWE's Coke like they they are sort of the un WWE company um i but like would i pay for a streaming service to rewatch the ROH catalog no probably not dude uh i don't think it moved the needle for me at all um and AEW still doesn't have enough of a tape library yet either for me to justify wanting to buy a you know service so I could watch pay-per-views from last year. Uh, it, it's it, which which would make up like I don't know what like twenty five percent of the overall tape library. Uh, I I think that I think that it's nice, but I I think that anyone who thinks this is a big needle mover is maybe overstating the current relevance of ROH. I look I'm. I'm of the opinion that putting this on an existing service wouldn't be the worst thing in the world here. Um, because yeah, for all, I mean, and we found this out. I actually, I think I may have held this from you a bit, uh, but I talked to somebody at Peacock eventually. Why do you, why won't you tell me things like what, what is it going to take I, I, I to forgot, rebuild the I trust in this relationship? <laughs> Just forgot, Chris. That's all. I okay. Did. Yeah. It was, uh -huh. it was like, all right. it was early like in the my week. birthday. Was, <laughs> when's your birthday? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Years we've been on the air. Years. 
Well, it's, I, all my all my birthday reminders are from Facebook, Chris. At this point, I mean, I'm gonna. And miss. I don't. I don't have that. I know better than that. Yeah, exactly. You, you're you are the smart one. Um, but I did eventually, not about the job, but just about uh, because it, it was more of a heads up that it looks like Peacock and the WWE library may may not uh, may not be uh, partners in the long term. Uh, perhaps being shopped elsewhere. And look, we know from numbers when there was a WWE network and on Peacock. Now, archival footage is not a big draw for people. I understand that the, oh, you can do modern uh, documentaries. And I think that's still hard for people to get their mind around because in the fan base, one, because the fan base loves the history we love to talk about the history and the dominant narrative uh at the launch of the wwe network is that what was going to be the big driver here was probably going to be like people just wanted to go through and watch all this old wrestling and stuff now i will say jeff we saw that the wwe's version of a tape library was not very successful it was horrible but it was horrible, right? Like so, like I truly do wonder if someone made a good, coherent, enjoyable library archival experience. If that truly would be bad, or if it was just that the initial idea of oh, I'll get on the WWE Network and I'll watch all the old Jake the Snake matches. That was so hard. If you typed Jake the Snake into that search engine, you got the most crappy, not aggregated by date sort of results for Jake the Snake. And so you could watch three or four matches, no context, no order, and then you move on with your life. Like they—that's what they really shot themselves in the foot on. But but the, all of that being said. I I really have a hard time seeing how the Ring of Honor archival library would be the major draw for a streaming service. Here's here's the other thing that hurts archival footage in many ways. Um, The fact that the company puts out both companies now put out such a glut of product per week. AEW puts out what eight hours of wrestling a week. I understand like I barely have time in my busy schedule to watch the wrestling that I want to catch up on for historical purposes, because I watch so much modern wrestling right now. I just, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you'll hear like 200 people say, Oh, I'll put it on in the background while I'm working, blah, 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 blah. But for the most part, it's not a money maker. It's not a revenue generator. And that's the thing I have now. Now here's the other question I have. Would you just take an existing show that they have right now, a dark, a dark elevation and rename it ring of honor. Would you make it a developmental territory? Cause I've heard a lot about that and I've heard, you know, I've heard even plans. Well, maybe we rebuild ring of honor. Look, ring of honors, a, a bad brand in the marketplace right now. It just went under. It's not able to keep television. It's still number four behind impact in the United States, which doesn't draw a lot of, Things, anyways, or would you take the stronger brand of AEW and just, you know, hey, we have this, we can port it into a product of some kind. We could say AEW presents Ring of Honor, something to that effect. Or would you would you just let the brand die? I 
guess I could justify Ring of Honor as a way to rebrand the developmental territory. I think that's kind of interesting. And you like let because I think Dark is too. Uh, you know, going back to what Eddie Kingston was saying earlier, I think Dark even sort of is too self-referential too. Uh, what what these matches are, Ring of Honor at least puts some prestige on these developmental talents, and yeah. maybe potentially gives them a vehicle to like build a little bit of a build a little bit of a cachet with the audience. Um, I, I think maybe even the format change would be interesting too. Um, I think there's something to be said for the older nxt model where the nxt the developmental territory is a different flavor from the main territory i think that that actually does give the talents on that brand a, an opportunity to grow a little bit more okay uh i i'm still it's a lot of money and i understand the all-in uh getting that footage is very important for the history of of the company and stuff like that i just I, to me, it, it felt like more of a fanboy move than a business move. It's like Tony Khan's a fan of Ring of Honor, so he's going to buy another company, you know, to save it. And I, nostalgia will sink you, man. I, I just it, it sometimes in terms of business. And I, it's, well, it's just it's weird to what what Khan is nostalgic about. And it, it, it very much in listening to that promo. And then thinking about this business decision and of what utility I think it is. Um, and then, you know, another headline we're going to talk about not signing Cesaro. Sometimes I feel like Khan's letting his emotions kind of get in the way of business. And like this just seemed to like be a, a kid who wanted to have a thing from his childhood. Real I don't badly. think we're going to talk about that, but okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, are we, we're not talking about the Cesaro no, thing? No, we're not, because I can't confirm certain things. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, uh, so you're keeping more secrets. God, I'm like, dude, I'm like halfway out the door on this show already. No, this is no, 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 no. Like, I, feel, I feel a little bit betrayed. <laughs> feel a little bit betrayed. It's fun. No, it's cool. Um, A&E plan or A&E calls for 35 new episodes of biography, WWE legends production is also beginning on 24 new episodes of memorabilia themed original series, WWE's most wanted treasures which will air over multiple seasons. They're also working on another show called WWE rivals for 40 hours of TV. I think most of these will be rehashes of crap. That's already been on the network. Uh, but um, it looks like A&E is all in on the WWE business. I believe A&E is owned by NBC Universal as well, so this might be an intra-company type thing for more MOAR content. Uh, yeah, these A&E shows are terrible, by the way. Yeah, but <laughs> and, and I get that initially it doesn't seem like a strong fit, but you got to remember that A&E stands for Arts and Entertainment and WWE stands for world wrestling entertainment and so this really is good quality <laughs> synergy oh that's some, some fantastic analysis chris that is thank you nuts. thank you wrestling's a bit of an art this is why you you're the me. tops in the game right now yeah a lot a lot of people say i'm underrated hawkins not <laughs> not many not many because uh, or they say i'm i'm not well known too well it's it reminds there's a comedian by the name of richard jenny who is uh passed on but one of my favorite jokes of his was a line about a and E's tagline was a uh, was time well spent. He goes, uh, you know, if you change the if you change the uh, punctuation on that, it, it it becomes far different meaning. It's time well spent. 
Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with WWE's most wanted treasures. Now that uh, top dollar no longer hosting the show. So, so we will see about that. Uh, Speaking of WWE, they have ended their broadcast partnership and have shut down the WWE network in Russia. Yeah, this this guy caught me from left field here. Any reason? <laughs> uh, because other businesses are divesting from Russia right now. It's a trendy thing. Oh, this is cancel culture. The, That's well, what's no, going no, on no. here. But, but I'm going to talk a little sociopolitical here, Chris. So, oh, so this might oh, actually so there's a politics a angle on all this. There's a little politics angle for me in terms of watching this and analyzing this, I think this is a bad move for all these companies really to divest from Russia because the Russian government is the one to blame. And, and, and let me tell you why I might be off base on this. So you can, you can pull me back if I'm off base on this by all means, part of the reason, part of the plan for Vladimir Putin for in terms of just watching him and stuff like that is to get, the old Soviet Union back in some ways. And the way to do that for him, part of that plan is to de-Westernize Russia. So all these businesses from the West who are packing up and leaving and saying they won't do business in Russia, and it's not really affecting the government. It's mostly affecting the people that are in Russia. And, and you know, people you know, like Airbnb has stopped doing it. Well, that doesn't affect the government. That affects the people that owns the places in Russia, et cetera, et cetera. This is all just kind of playing into his plan in many ways and, and saying, OK, you're part of the West. We don't want your culture in here anymore. Anyway, Soviet culture, much more superior. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll crack into this for a second here. OK. Yeah. Uh, I I get your position on this. Um, like like I and I I think it's not an unreasonable analysis, but I do strongly disagree. Not like saying that Jeff's a bad person. Here's just my my take on this. Right, I look at Russia's invasion of the sovereign nation of Ukraine as something that right now the world has been underreacting to. I agree there. No, I totally agree with you. On yeah. That and no, I, 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 well, I know you and I are probably on the same page. So as part <laughs> of this, fr- frankly, for, for the listeners, for here, the listeners. But, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I, I think that for me, the Ukraine situation is actually pretty serious. Um, There are a lot of bigger implications beyond just the general affront that I, I think, it it is it should be forcefully stopped when when one country invades another country like like the 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 world should actually react to that in a meaningful way don't need the history lessons i have my own opinions on that listen to don't worry about the government um when it comes to the when it comes to the businesses acutely i think it's important that the businesses do this because what Vladimir Putin also wants to do, I, I'm not a Putinologist, no one really is, but like I could also see an argument that what Putin wants to do is have people in his country basically think there's not really a war going on and that what's going on in Ukraine right now is fairly normal. And given the annexation of Crimea, it seems like there's potentially a roadmap absent the West's business responses to to this um where putin's basically able to treat what he's doing in ukraine as crimea part two um so i think the business is pulling out their signals to the russian people hey no like what your guy putin is doing is actually very bad 
Um, it, it's it's bad enough that he should be facing charges at the Hague. He won't. He should. Um, and like I, I, I don't have a problem with this response. If anything, I just come from the angle of uh, I I would like more. Um, right, we, I, we just need to put Raw on twenty four seven in Russia, and then everybody will want to flee. <laughs> we could we could shut down the government by putting on raw 24 7 and the people will rise up in revolt saying please stop this stop the, these bad angles <laughs> like that. mcmahon mcmahon right now is we trying get, to get we could out. get vince mcmahon the Nobel peace prize if he just plays the wwe network in russia McMahon is trying to get out his Rolodex right now and see what Miro's up to. Hey, buddy, you want to come back to the country? Nikolai to Volkov, the company? we got a hot What's angle Lana? You. you and Lana, come back. We're, we're, we're going to give you your gimmick back. <laughs> he's going to be from the Ukraine now. No, no, he's going to be he's going to be from Russia. Again. Oh, is he? We're, we're bringing him back heel like and they're back in love with Putin. Oh, OK, maybe you can for, the heat. for the yes, heat, for the heat, yeah, for the heat. <laughs> All important heat. Um, Hawkins, it's all about heat. Thanks, Bully Ray. <laughs> also announced uh, for AEW, the June 1st Dynamite show, the show right after Double or Nothing, will be at the Forum in Inglewood, California. Lovely, lovely Inglewood, California. <laughs> also, the Rampage the following Friday will be live from Ontario, California which has historical significance to those of you who are fans of the Bullet Club. If you recall, they marched on the arena when SmackDown was there. I believe Jimmy Jacobs got fired for coming out there and greeting them at that time. But uh, yes, neither of those shows are easily accessible for me or most Los Angelinos. But, you know, the forum in Inglewood, you know, that, that's easier to do, I would guess. Um, that's right down the street from where the Super Bowl was. It's not a fun party town type of area of Los Angeles. Those of you who have uh, don't know the geography of Los Angeles, Ontario, probably a little bit easier to do, but it's about an hour, hour and a half drive outside of uh, Los Angeles. It's it's not in the big city, but uh, looks like AEW is finally going to get dip their toe in the water here in Southern California, Chris. Well, that will be interesting for Southern Californians. <laughs> That's a proper answer. Uh, <laughs> I assume the young bucks who, I mean, Rancho Cucamonga is fairly close to Ontario and they said they will be in a big match for the rampage show. So it will not just not be a one hour. Okay. That's it. You can leave now. Um, going to dip into a little bit of rumor here. And we don't like doing a lot of rumors on the show. We like news for the most part, but uh, bodyslam.net threw an interesting story up there that uh, the, uh, Negotiations between Cody Rhodes and the WWE have come, come to a bit of a standstill. I'm going to take my victory lap on this, Chris, because I believe I said on this show that uh, that if you don't have a deal in writing, you don't jump from the job. And I think now this is all in my mind right now. Uh, that if Cody was using the WWE for leverage, this is one of those classic. He made a terrible, terrible miscalculation on on how he would be treated, because I can see in my mind Cody thinking he's the businessman now. I'm a former executive vice president. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna negotiate with Vince as an equal, 
and Vince calling. I'm like, okay, we're ready to go back over your thing. Um, yeah, the, the deal's changed, Cody. Uh, you know, you're not as valuable as you once were. Now that you're gone from AEW, we'll give you half of what we were originally offering. Womp, womp. And now Cody is in a bind because Ring of Honor has been bought up. He's not going to be able to go there. Although if he and Tony are still on good terms, maybe they'll let Cody run Ring of Honor since since he's kind of on the outs with some people in the upper brass in AEW, give him his, you know, hey, he was part of this growth for AEW. Let's give him his own fiefdom over there. Uh, I could still I could still see him just going, okay, the hell with this. I'll go to the WWE for whatever they'll give me. Um, we don't know if this is true or not, but uh, any thoughts from you on this? I think that Cody made a tremendous mistake here. I'm increasingly wondering if. Well, we don't know this- if Cody made the mistake or if Tony didn't want him back. Well, I mean, Cody should have figured out where he was going in this negotiation. Yes, the way he right. chose to do this publicly, I think, was sloppily handled. I think we'll be able to look back when we get all of the facts, Hawkins. I feel it very, very confident. We will look back at those promos on TV where he's referencing his contract as stupid moves. Um, that, that those were not sound negotiating tactics, but rather a dude flailing. Uh, I have a hard time seeing a wisdom in how Cody Rhodes handled this. Um, The best thing I can say is that this absence from AEW has made some people think more fondly about Cody's time um, in AEW. Uh, Obviously, he does have supporters like Big Swole said some nice stuff about him this week. Yes. Uh, And I think it could potentially help hit the reset button if he came back in um, and maybe he get cheered again, maybe. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't know what this guy has been thinking for the last six to eight months here, refusing to turn heel, handling this contract negotiation the way he's handled this contract negotiation. Just um, not, not, not what I would have expected from Rhodes. Uh, but like, as we said in the last episode, I, I think there's a real point uh, where good Cody turned into bad Cody around that Anthony Agogo feud. Yeah, I, I'd go there. I'm, I'm a fan of most of Cody's work in AEW because his instincts seem to me to be a little bit more old school, a little bit more simple storytelling, as I've said, a little bit more of a build there. But uh, yeah, now we're going to get into a little bit of analysis here. Um on uh, Wednesday, I believe it was, there was an AEW media call. And on Thursday, we had the Pat McAfee interview with Vince McMahon. And if you have not listened to the flagship, I highly recommend it. Joe Lanza's and and even Rich Krejci's, uh, and I'm not doing that to dismiss Rich. But and, Rich and even Rich Krejci. Well, Rich, now you know how it feels. Oh, Welcome to my Jesus. world, Rich. I love oh, you. I love you. I, did not I love it. you. I didn't mean it like that. I just meant Rich. I mean, Joe was the ranter here for the most part, but Rich had some points in between Joe's ranting at about 40 minutes in on the flagship and and, and I, I wanted to include rich but it just came out even rich great oh someone in the slack if anybody listens will probably pick up on that probably andrew rich i blame him uh but uh, his rant on 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 the media basically comes down to this was that uh was to take the um take the more influencer type of wrestling media 
who was who were praising Pat McAfee for this Vince McMahon interview, um, and, and and basically take them to task for you know propping up uh, McAfee when he should have probably asked a few tougher questions in this interview. Uh, if you've never seen a real Vince McMahon interview with the media, I highly recommend going to watch his one-on-ones with either Bob Costas or Armin Katayan, in which he makes a jackass of himself. They are fascinating. By demeaning I, I... people, he bullies them. He almost he threatens physical violence on one of them, at least. He's he's an asshole, for lack of a better term. And, 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 like to... and he's got one more great self-destructing interview in him. I know it. I truly believe that. And, and I don't... McAfee was a fool for not getting it. I don't. Well, McAfee is employed by the company. I'm sure that no, there was, if he was, you know, he should have went for it. This is Pat McAfee we're talking about here. I. It's funny because Vince's first line was, "I'm an a hole." Uh, uh, blah 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 blah. Th- this interview, I watched. I watched the McAfee interview as well. Um, it, it it it's it's Vince riding high on his own BS. He is in tall cotton right now. Um. Because Vince is, to me, and this is an amateur psychological breakdown, um, Vince is one of those people who thinks all his negatives are the things that made him successful. Vince McMahon does not like wrestling, as Joe Lanza aptly said. He's been stuck with it, and he's very bitter about that. But he wanted to stick it to his old man at the same time. And at the same time, Vince, I think, is also scared to death that any of his children will ever do to him what Vince McMahon did to his father. I, I I legit that think that's why he's he's treated Triple H like this, his son-in-law, why he's treated Shane like this. I think someday Stephanie gets fired from WWE just to prove a point. That's what I think. But he's also one of those guys who thinks his success has opened some window of self-awareness and that he's on a on a higher plane, like he's you know, like like he's Ubermensch or something like that. And and how, you know, you know you should be able to control your body for sicknesses and things like that. He really thinks, I think that again, his success is, is due to all these bad things that people say about him, you know, treating, uh, you know, treating people poorly, all these are, you know, everything's relative in business and profit is really the only thing there, but it's also, well, you know, this is why, like if he was doing a podcast, he'd be doing podcasts with guys like Tim Ferriss to me. You know, uh, how, how's your self-realization? Those I, I types of guys doing like uh, I could see him kind of working like the Rogan Branko. Uh, what's his name? Mirror ticker whatever that like. I could see him working that circuit, too. Um, like like he's every motivational poster in terms of his BS. But there's like a Randian. There's an Ayn Randian sort of thing. Yeah. I guess that's what I was trying to tease out. Like, like there's a very John Galt. I, you know, I, I am the sacrificer. Society sort of rides on my back thing. Oh, I was, I was thinking more uh, Horatio Alger rags to riches story when it's like, he's a guy, he, he's a guy who thinks hard work got him everywhere. When his dad got him his first internship from a golf partner or whatever. And, it, and he really denies the, the aspect of luck in success, but he also just thinks that, you know, you can't be friendly in business ever. Like the two, the two big pull quotes, one got a lot of play and one was one that Lanza picked up on that I think is very, very apt. The first one was saying is my wife at the time, which uh, is Linda, 
which means he's no longer married. But that's a fairly open secret to 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 a lot of people that he does not live with his wife anymore. He lives in New York City, I believe, in in the city proper, and she lives in the house in Stamford. But he said this to Pat, and this is what really set Joe off. And and I'm inclined to agree uh, for a different reason. And he said, uh, well, once we went public, I could fire people without having to work. You know, I could fire excess baggage. He, he also referred to, to cuts as excess baggage. I don't know if it's I don't think it was part of this quote, but he says I could fire people without having to worry about, you know, do they have cancer or can they take care of their family? Because it was all about it was all about the bottom line for the shareholders. And I just thought that's a line. That's a line where you make up an excuse for things you already were going to do in the first place. He was never empathetic when they were private either, but he is now going to use excuses to justify this, this behavior of his. And I just, that was a fascinating line. I think it's also like going back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, business, everything being relative or whatever. I think with McMahon, it's just you can do whatever you want so long as you can justify it with a business defense. Like, like literally yeah, anything yeah, pretty much. Goals, so long as you can justify it through business somehow. The reason I want to bring this up is because this is a larger indictment of wrestling media. And I think wrestling media is not self-aware enough of their role in everything here, be it positive or negative reinforcement of these things, because we go to the day before with the AEW media call. And these media calls are dreadful. These media calls are terrible because I think, how am I going to put this back, back in the day? There was a, there was a show called entertainment tonight. It still exists, but back then you had entertainment news and you also had Leonard Malton doing film reviews. And Leonard Malton was a film movie reviewer. He was a real movie reviewer and he would pan movies that were bad. Well, eventually these studios, some of whom were funding this show, decided we don't want Leonard Malton trashing our new product. And if you want access to interviews and things like that, you're not going to be critical of our product. And so Entertainment Tonight is now mostly the Inquirer. It's like gossip stuff, but you never really get any hard Hollywood information on it. it it's soft news. I mean, you're never going to hear so-and-so had a drug problem on the set of this movie or those types of things, which is the things that I think people really want in terms of learning about the business of Hollywood, because it's a mystery of them. I view wrestling very much the same way. So you only get really three kinds of questions on these Tony Khan media calls, even though he's the, he's the quote unquote, nice promoter and good promoter. You get, uh, and, and you get questions like this. Tell, tell me about this talent who's currently on the roster. And the, the answer will be, well, we're, we're really impressed with how he stepped up going into the pay-per-view, blah, 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 blah. Tell me about this talent who's not on the roster. Uh, we'd love an opportunity to work with him if it's the right fit. You know, because there was a question about Cesaro on there. So that that's that's the thing there. And then there's always some guy from Britain who asks when they're coming to the UK. That's your media call right there. That's it right there. And it's it's and you have these different types of people involved in wrestling media who are playing a role. They're not really like you have the Denise Salcedo's, the Louis Dangors, the Chris Van Vliet's who are content creators. Well, two of them are content creators for themselves 
to get clicks and things like that. Denise, of course, wants to be in wrestling and she's going to be ring announcing at Ring of Honor. But she originally she was in the after buzz pipeline. She wanted to be part of WWE through connections there. It hasn't worked out for her just yet, but who knows? But, you know, she's sunny, perky, morning host type, never wants to offend anybody type of thing and you know does her softball interviews with wrestlers and things like that she's not a journalist she's she's a personality who is making money off of softball interviews that are granted by the company and as joe said when when you interview somebody from aew you have to give a list of topics to get pre-approved there they're very controlled environment type stuff then you get the kind of journalists like dave Meltzer, wade keller Mike Johnson, guys who know the things, but they're they're basically we want to hear the rumors from backstage from them. They're not really hard journalists per se. They are gatekeepers for rumors in in many ways, and they all run. Look, I love the Wrestling Observer. It's a trade journal. I get it. Um, a lot of them will get upset when when you say that you know that that, that when you question their objectivity, but you know. They're, we're not objective. No, nobody's objective. I mean, my, my, our part in, in the wrestling media sphere is critics. And we're playing a role here. We're, we're wrestling fans talking about wrestling, blah, 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 blah. And then you have the David Bixon fans who, who I consider him a friend, but he's, he's, he's a, more of an investigative journalist doing long uh, thought a Twitter pieces. archivalist. Twitter archivalist in many ways, yes. But he has his axes to grind as well. He's not. You know, there are things, I mean, he has agendas he wants to push. And, you know, Thurston does analytics of numbers and things like that, but he has agendas he wants to push as well at times. I like Brandon Thurston a lot. And a lot of those are anti-Vince because they don't like Vince. And I get that too. So I think these two problems are, are both two sides of the same coin. We're not really... Chris... Here, here's my problem, and, and it's, it's one of those things where a lot of people just don't see the forest from the trees. We are never going to be told anything about the wrestling business that the people running the wrestling business don't want us to know. And everything else is just kind of theater in many, many ways that sometimes masquerades as journalism and things like that. And if you get the veneer dropping, you consider yourself lucky and you take that information and you go with it. it it's it's stunning to me how much play this got in, in Twitter, especially about the McAfee internet. Why wasn't he tougher? Why didn't he nail him on Saudi Arabia when he brought it up? And he's like, it's like, because it's Pat McAfee. He does dude bro radio with his friends. Uh, I mean, besides, Hawk. like, uh, the interesting question that McAfee would ask on Saudi Arabia is so, wow, Vince, WWE decided to cut relations with Russia this week. Why are the relations with Saudi Arabia still standing? What is the state of them going forward? Um, like, do you really think Pat McAfee is going to ask that question? Really? No. I'd love that, but he's not going to. No, he's he's doing late night talk show stuff on there. What what what's what are you here to plug? And let's have a little witty no, banter amongst each other. If you were going to get other. anything out of McAfee on that front, it would be McAfee pissing off McMahon, and it would have been interesting in revealing what McAfee had like pissed McMahon off over. But it wasn't. I mean. That was the most you're ever going to get out of him. McAfee's not like a probing interview. He never yeah, has and, been. Yeah, and I think my problem here is just general 
expectations of journalism have have gone down so much where we think like i i hate the phrase journalism's job is to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted because then they start rationalizing certain things about what team they're on and their biases start to show a lot more and it's just look your job when you get an interview Look, I hate softball interviews. I hate them. I, I don't watch them. If I think they're just plugging something or they're just going ah, to, you know, they're going to tell you what they, you want to hear. That's fine. But I also don't necessarily like ambush interviews all that much, Chris. I don't like watching people be uncomfortable all the time when, when you know, without a chance to defend themselves. I do feel some empathy for those kinds of things, no matter who it is. So what are, what are we doing? Talking about, you know, all this wrestling media is a fraud for the most part that's based on industries that they have no real access to. It's just kind of play. You're playing the role of a journalist. You're playing the role of an interviewer. I'm playing the role of a critic in many, many ways. You know, it's not I I, I don't know. I I thought I had a point here and I guess I don't. Chris. I just it's helped me here. I think you're <laughs> on to something with the notion that there really is no such thing as wrestling journalism. And I think so much of our problem with wrestling journalism is that we keep thinking it's real. Yeah. That it, that it's the thing that can really exist. And you know, the closest thing that matches the or meets the surface of getting something out there that people don't want to know about would be, you know, like, shoot interviews well shoot interviews or like uh archival diving and seeing what like statements people have made in the past and putting those out there and i think sometimes in the case of those those sorts of activities the real question can be made and i've certainly brought up on this podcast is that really journalism or is there like literally anything better that one could be doing with their time um so like then it brings us back to the question what would account for wrestling journalism i guess it would be like somehow getting access to aew internal emails that they didn't want to have out there like you know getting in contact with an aew employee who's not like tony khan or a vice president who's an active wrestler but like an actual office person and that actual office person gives you actual internal information um, like that would, I guess, be the closest thing to a wrestling journalism activity. But that's still mostly rumor mongering in many, it's many ways. Still, it, it, right. And then like the journalism would basically be based off of how useful is the information that one is actually getting. But I'm saying the activity of finding an inside source, getting inside sourced information and getting it out to the public in a way that the company in question does not necessarily want to have happen. That's the closest thing I can think of to journalism. Um, Because you're sort of right, like, not to speak in more journalism adages or whatever, but like, if you're just giving what the administration wants, that's not reporting, that's propaganda. That's propaganda. That's what guys like uh, Alfred, I want to say, it's not Kamur, I can't remember his last name, but he has a Forbes, he's a Forbes contributor, which, you know you can get fairly easily, but he uses that as, as his entryway and also his, his thing. But he's also the guy that gets, he gets the fast nationals from WWE in order to make AEW look bad. I mean, he is a bit of a propagandist, but he also, I believe he works for wrestling Inc as well, doing analysis over there. I mean, we're all kind of doing 
in wrestling media thinking we're part of the wrestling business, but we're not in many ways. And, and trust me, people who work in wrestling will tell you you're not part of the business in your DMS from time to time. And, and, and it's, it's almost like pro wrestling in and of itself. Cause like there are certain people with gimmicks. There's, Oh, I'm the guy that gets all the scoops, but I'm also a heel. And I'm going to tell you about wrestlers butts every week. And you know who I'm talking about there. Some of you, but you know, th- those types of people who like, and then everybody gets their, their own little gimmick in the wrestling media too. It's like, all right, whatever, man. It, it's, it's so, it's such a weird <laughs> bubble to be in. Yeah, we're in it. <laughs> uh, we're in it. We're in it. And, you know, I love it. But at the same time, there are times where I just, I go, everybody needs to take this stuff way less seriously. But, you know, like, well, with everything- I, I mean, I, that that is sort of my like, my recurring mantra on this show. But like, you know, I, I guess if, when if, money if, is involved, people take it seriously. That's yeah, no, I, I get that. And I mean, like, you know, if you're running a site or whatever, you, you sort of then have a confirmation bias to assume that everything is news, right? Like if you're running yeah. a wrestling site, you're always looking for wrestling news. And so you'll say something is news when maybe it's not necessarily up to that standard. Right. And that happens a lot. And then people accuse you of being clickbaity when you're just trying to, okay, maybe it's news. Maybe it's not. I'm going to run and see what happens. It's, it's so, yeah, it's such a weird thing. I don't know. I don't know. I just wanted to talk about wrestling media for some reason. Cause I, I it's, it's, it fascinates me that I'm kind of in this and I have my own sea level celebrity uh, being a podcast host, but you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. So let's, uh, let's close up the news bag and go to the lazy river of wrestling criticism, whatever we want to talk about, whatever we watched during the week. I have a little bit of old stuff. I watched during the week, which is going to be interesting. I think, uh, I think we'll fit in the AEW analysis into our revolution preview, Chris. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, people are excited about the revolution preview. I think they are. I think I think it's uh, they are. No, I I this is gonna be a reading. fun show. People I am I'm like looking the, forward to this. People like pay-per-view preview shows. I, I'm like not joking about that. Uh <laughs> well it sounded a little snarky to me. So I, I, I like, mean, okay. like, you know, I'm I'm like a little I'm a little tired and like I I wouldn't say it's snark. I it may it may it was it was south of snark. It was like snark light. Okay, we'll get through this and we'll do a few points on the lazy river. We'll get no, out of here. no, no. We don't have to get. No, I don't have to. It, it's just. It's been a long. It's been long. Is, is what it's been like. Get like. Get, pick a topic. Let's go. Okay. Revolution. <laughs> Revolution. Twelve matches on the show. Three on a pre-show. Looks like this pre-show is going to be pretty packed for an hour of wrestling, and then nine or nine matches on a Sunday night. Uh, Monday's going to be tough for those of us who work the nine to fives, especially East coast time. Nerds. But yes, uh, first of all, hook versus QT Marshall. Is there anything other than hook winning that you can see out of this, Chris? I mean, you know, QT has been on a hot streak as of late, but <laughs> I, 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 I got shut up. Shut up. All right, fine. Uh, hook hook wins. Uh, one of the single most annoying feuds to me in AEW right now, Layla Hirsch taking out Chris Statlander on this pre-show. They bring up the Statlander line about Layla Hirsch's parents putting her up for adoption. Why would you do this when you're trying to baby Chris Statlander? I don't know. Could Layla Hirsch possibly win this match? I think Layla Hirsch wins the match. I don't. 
I think it's, it's it. They love giving them the best friends, and we're gonna get a little bit of booping and half-ass thumbs up for casting. But uh, as announced today on on uh, on Rampage, we had a debut: The House of Black, Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews taking on the Death Triangle, Pack and Penta Oscura, and the debuting Eric Redbeard with the priest of the death triangle alex abrahante is doing his best william sadler from bill and ted's bogus journey i just this this thing is everything you know when we said man if only only alistair black had a chance to really show what he could do and he comes into aew and we're getting sports entertainment central that that rebirth thing for penta was it was in Connecticut and it could have been right down the road. And it could have been slick in a keem. This is <laughs> what that was. We have the house of black cutting these Tomax and Zaymont from GI Joe promos where they're finishing each other's sentences. I hate them. And, and they're, they're bad, but man, Alex Abrahante is, is just looking like a fool out here in, in a costume and everything. And we're getting the, you know, oh, this is dark and spooky stuff. Oh, look, there's magic. The stuff that everybody hates. Like, look, everybody hated Papa Shango in WWE. This is Papa Shango. No, I'm you sorry. know what? The, uh, there was one guy when I was a kid. Uh, his name was Justin. Justin is the one person who liked Papa Shango. Um, like really, really, really liked Papa Shango. Like the, like the like, warrior putting goo in his head and yes, stuff like that? Yes, like, like loved all of the voodoo moments of Papa Shango and would like talk about them as like, dude, they should bring back Papa Shango. That guy was awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so that Eric, one, there, Eric, that person existed. Eric Redbeard is is now taking the place of uh, Ray Phoenix. That's interesting. And we're, we, we're going to have you, a You think a he'll be bit. able to do the high spots? <laughs> He's gonna, I, I guess he's there to over he's there to tower over Brody King, who's who's a big guy, but he's not that big. What are we doing? I, I get it. Um I think House of Black obviously wins this. I'm sure there'll be mist and us talking about the history of the mist and what it's done to people. And uh, I just I'm not enjoying this, Chris. This is not look, I, I you're kind of allowed one of these angles in wrestling at all times. But they're never good. This is Paul Jones Army and Jim Crockett promotions. It really is to me. I'm, I'm. I think the match will be okay. I don't care for the baby faces. Like the baby face team here, Death Triangle has not been like this endearing, beloved baby face team. And so when bad things happen to them, I don't really care. And the House of Black, the more the talk, the less spooky or eerie they are. They're like. Uh, I saw this movie recently, The Cursed, and the big problem with that movie is you keep seeing the monster more and more throughout the movie. And by the end of the movie, you've seen the monster so many times that you're no longer remotely scared of the monster. Well, you, you did not watch Rampage, but on the Go Show, Go Home Show tonight. I watched uh, some of it. Oh, did you did you see the? Oh uh, yeah, Mark Mark Henry had a hard hitting interview with uh, Ethan Page where <laughs> he. he Shut up! Uh, <laughs> no, but at the end of, at end of the uh, of the stare down and the and the security pull apart brawl or whatever, Pentaskira, to your Lucha Underground taste, broke a security guard's arm. Great babyface move there. 
uh, that just shows you exactly how far he is willing to go in this feud. For the TBS championship, Jade Cargill versus Ty Conti. Someone might die. Uh, <laughs> Cargill on Wednesday popped me hard with his bitch. Don't no one care about your damn karate. S. I howled at that. That's the best delivery of a promo line by a woman in this company for a, in a very, very long time. Ty Conti can't get words out for her promos, unfortunately, even though she's an interesting presence. I, I like her still. You know, hope- between the between the two of them, you have an actually complete good wrestler who would be qualified to be the TBS champion. Yes. But you got Cargill, who the only thing she can, she can do, do is talk is, is is in spots talk. It's not even all the time. Um, and, and, and then you got Tay Conti, who can't do that, but the wrestling's good. Um, and you could actually trust Tay Conti to have like a ten minute match that's going to be watchable. And Jade Cargill, we've given her can countless you? outings. Can you trust Tay Conti to have a ten minute match that's watchable if she's the one leading it? Leading uh, this is this is the Cargill. She's question, the ring general in this match, Chris. I guess we're going to find out. <laughs> I hope they allow Ty to throw Jade Cargill around a bit, though. That'd be nice. That'd be fun. But yeah, I, yeah I, I can't wait to see Jade not sell any of that <laughs> stuff. I, 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 I'm, I'm looking forward to Ty getting at the emotional crossroads of, do I just start laying this stuff in and make this woman start respecting it? Oh, I'd love that, to be honest I would with love you. it, too. No, no, I I'm I have long since been tired of the love- Jade Cargill. I don't know how oh, to sell anything. It's for so a different I'm gonna- reason. Okay, never mind. I, I want it because I want badass Ty Conti. I want to see Ty Conti at her most badass as opposed to just cute pixie girl doing, you know, a few throws here and there. I want to see her be a bad, say, you will respect me in this match and start laying it in. Nothing against Jade, because, look, the slack hates you for, uh, for hating Jade, I'm. I'm, still- I'm sorry she can't count to three. It's not my <laughs> fault. I didn't do that. I, I, I. If she had talked to me, I would have taught her numbers. But no one did, and that's a shame. But she can't count to three. At DWATG for all your comments. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I see Jade retaining you. Uh, I, I think they should get off the Jade train, but I'm kind of increasingly convinced she's going to retain. AHFO Andrade El Idolo, who brought it tonight in this in the in the triple threat. I he was great. Matt Hardy and Isaiah Cassidy versus Darby Allen, Sting, and Sammy Guevara in a six-man tornado tag team match. This is gonna go everywhere and anywhere. It's gonna there's between Isaiah, El Idolo, Sammy, and Darby. Those guys are gonna fly all over the place. I think there's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh for a prediction, I'll let you go. I feel like El Idolo needs to get a win here. So I'm kind of thinking Andrade finds a way. I'm going to go with Sting pinning Matt Hardy. And then El Idolo and Isaiah Cassie both putting the boots to him and then opening the door for Jeff Hardy to come in. I think oh, this okay, is okay. Okay. This is the end of the Hardy family. This is, the office. End of the, this is the end of the Hardy family office. And this becomes the Andrade family office finally once and for all. I think. You can't you can't extend these stories forever. 
for God's sakes. Let, let's get no. And, you know, actually, the more I think about it, Matt Hardy has been doing soft baby face things in recent weeks in his involvement in matches, like coming out and doing the delete thing with uh, smart Mark Sterling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And no, actually, he has been increasingly operating in a semi baby face role, which sort of suggests you're right, like a, a rift. Um, and then the baby faces end up going over. For the tag team championship, a three-way match between Jurassic Express, Red Dragon, and the Young Bucks. I thought the Casino Battle Royale, towards the end, it got really good. It just went on and on and on, and teams kept getting added and added and added to a point where you're like, how many damn teams are in this thing? Yeah, teams keep getting added, but didn't necessarily... I didn't feel like it did a great job advancing a bunch of different storylines no. going forward either. It was just like, well, we got to have a battle royal. Um, I, I think given the format of this match, the story is obviously the Bucks and Red Dragon, which I think suggests Jurassic Express gets out as champions. And the real story here is like the further dissension in the ranks between the Bucks, Red Dragon, and going back to that promo with Adam Cole, where it's like, which way are you going to go, Adam? Um, when Brandon was asking him at the end of that. For the battle royale, I liked, I really liked uh, Top Flight, and I'd really want them. I want them in FTR in a nice long feud. That's like an '80s feud between, say, the Horsemen and the Rock and Roll Express. I, uh, Darius Martin looked fantastic. I loved the tease of him possibly winning the thing. I thought that was really, really well done. As for the match. I've been going over this and I realized I had gone through all these matches and I didn't have a single title change at first. And I just can't see that happening. And I think they give this to red dragon and they, they continue that thing. But if they don't, well, the, then maybe that some, means that Jade Cargill is going to lose her title here. I, 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 the thing is jungle or the Jurassic express have done nothing with these titles. To be honest with you, I know that it, it's been fairly short term that they've had them, but but and this is the fault of the company. They haven't built a great feud with Jurassic Express to make them worthy of being the tag team holders other than it's your turn right now. So I think they are a transition champion. And I think it's to get them to Red Dragon. That's my personal thing. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm going with Jurassic Express because they need wins, and this would give them a signature win over both teams without either team having to take a... I, I can see that, too. I could, and, it, and then we're going to be doing, like, days of our bucks backstage more and more because Red Dragon's cooled off a bit, as have the bucks, by doing this storyline and just continually feuding with the best friends over and over and over again. Well, they're fighting for the title of Adam Cole's friend. And what could there be a more exciting title in the business? John Moxley against Brian Danielson in a singles match here for it. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they just chop the crap out of each other. Uh, I hope the blood doesn't come too soon and it's earned. Uh, but I am, I'm very much looking forward to this match. I think, uh, I think Moxley wins. Interesting. I'm thinking Danielson wins, but it's like in sort of a dirty way. See, I was that, saying Moxley wins and then Danielson beats him down after the bell. Okay, okay, okay. I I, I think it's just too obvious that 
Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson's like not a good guy and Moxley's on. Like, so I, I don't know. I, I think the veneer falls way earlier in the match that like, I, I because Danielson sort of tipped his hand once he started stomping in Christopher Daniels on, uh, on dynamite here. Like, I, so I don't know. I think Danielson prevails. And I think that that's what allows this feud to prolong. Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston. <clears throat> with if Jericho loses, he will shake Eddie Kingston's hand. Interesting promo between him and Proud and Powerful after that tag team battle royal. I thought there were some mixed messages there. I think they're doing that. Uh, who do you see winning this? Um, I, who do you I see get... beating who up <laughs> afterwards? I think Eddie Kingston wins. I do too. And then I think Jericho goes like full heel. Yes. Where do Proud and Powerful go then? Do they beat up Eddie or do they beat up Chris here? And and re-solidify as the heel team? Yeah. That'd be interesting. And then that could set up a feud between Sammy and his new friends versus the yes. inner circle. That's what yeah. I was thinking too. I'm I'm yeah. thinking I'm thinking Proud and Powerful are gonna turn on Eddie here. Despite yeah. everything to the contrary, saying even though this doesn't make any sense with the makes whole no story, sense whatsoever. makes no sense. But yeah, that's actually what I think is going to happen. Face of the Revolution ladder match for future AWTNT Championship match: Keith Lee, Orange Cassidy, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, Wardlow, Christian Cage put in there tonight. Forty-eight-year-old Christian Cage going to go through some ladders and a player to be named which was, I believe was added tonight as well, although Excalibur has been saying there's seven people in this match the whole time, so maybe it's just I missed it. Chris, who do you think wins, and who do you think is the player to be named here? Uh, I feel like Keith Lee is the guy who would be the one you'd have penciled in, but m- maybe it is player to be named. Uh, and maybe maybe player to be named is actually going to be the winner. Um, you think Wardlow's pl- out here? Ooh, Wardlow. To continue the MJF feud? Oh, you think? Um, I, I see. I feel like Wardlow doesn't win. I feel like Sean Spears costs Wardlow the match. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that, that that keeps Wardlow out. So I'm going to say Keith Lee. I'm going to say Keith Lee. Let's say Keith Lee. I'm going to say people are going to be thinking this is Cesaro, Claudio Castagnoli coming in. I have my doubts. I think Claudio may show up, may, with Brian Danielson against Moxley there. I'm going to say Brian Cage is your TBD here to the groans of many because he was already in one of these face of the revolution ladder match. And they can plug that. Oh, look at all the beef in this match. Blah, 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 blah. But I agree with you. I think Keith Lee should win this. Yeah, I think that's that's ultimately right. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Thunder Rosa for a singles match for the AEW Women's World Championship. Sad to say that tag match on Dynamite fell apart. I'm a little worried about Mercedes Martinez. I'm going to be honest with you. I think Zia Lee knocking her silly and then her getting knocked silly uh, in in the other match with Thunder Rosa plus age i think it's affecting her a little bit i think she needs a recipe and you all know i loves me some mercedes martinez i'm a little worried though about that because 
there was there were times where like like there was that boot that hater put up there for Mercedes where it was like a five foot chasm and she still sold it. And you're just like, what is that match fell apart? I hate to say the match had an interesting ending with Thunder Rosa pinning Britt Baker. Chris, does that mean that Britt Baker's retaining this title? Wouldn't actually surprise me. It really wouldn't. It Thunder That's Rosa the weird thing here because Thunder you, Rosa just doesn't feel like she's on her way to win the title, which is insane. I know because the entire story from the no DQ match now was Thunder Rosa rebuilding it to get a match with DMD to take the title. And on the Dynamite show, Paul said, "Well, maybe it's they're going to save it for double or nothing." And I'm like, "So we're going to have three more months of this Thunder Rosa Britt Baker program where they're doing nothing already." I, I, but they do like to do, I mean, like the Sheeta, uh, don't get me wrong. I love Sheeta and Deeb. It's a great feud, but like they, they clearly are happy with these weird booking arcs uh, that we have a they, lot of people swimming in place here. We yeah, really do. They, I mean, I the know. best friends have been feuding with, <laughs> with the, if you hadn't watched this Cole. show in six months, what's really changed? Exactly. Ex- no, you are exactly correct on that. Other than maybe MJ, MJF and punk. Uh, I, I'm gonna say, God, I'm gonna say Britt Baker retains. It, it's insane to me, but all these challengers are colder than they were when they came in here. It's so weird. Yeah, no, set- I, it, maybe not six months. I'm, I'm just thinking about. It. I guess from whenever o- Page and Omega happened, whenever that was, was that October? Uh yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, it's almost six months, like four months. Like it's just it. Nothing has felt like it's meaningfully changed. Going to do the title match before the dog collar match. Singles match for the AEW World Championship. Hangman Adam Page versus Adam Cole. And I think Adam Cole is colder than his debut right now because of this love story about whose side is he on crap. His promos haven't been that hot. I'm not that impressed with Adam Page as a, as a champion right now. And, and I hate to say that because I really like him. But he hasn't had a feud where he's delivered a great verbal promo and including this one. I mean, look, the two Adams thing where it was okay. It was fine, but he hasn't had that simple feud where he has a setback. He has to overcome and he does it in a convincing way where he's talked to the talk and walked the walk of a champion. The Brian Danielson feud was all about him beating up his friends and Adam page being late to make the save. The uh, the the uh, murder hawk monster thing was a great spectacle of a match, but it went from zero to sixty in a week. There was no real huge build there for anger and a blood feud that turned and, into and blood. never any doubt and never any doubt. You are correct on that as well. And there has to be doubt in there. I originally thought nobody was going to switch titles here because I thought. Nobody deserved it. But now I'm thinking they're going to try and jumpstart some of these dead titles by giving it to the former undisputed era and having people chase. So I think on some sort of fluke that Adam Cole wins this title, even though I don't think it's time yet. What do you say? The reformation of the undisputed era is really intriguing to me as a storyline. I guess potentially this could also be 
like the Bucks finally turn face. And so we have, I think what this means is that this title match is filled with a lot of drama and crap uh, from Red Dragon and the Young Bucks being involved on some level. Um, See, that's interesting you say that because I'm going to counter you. On, on it your, might not on your... be because historically they, they when, even when it seems like it might call for like that kind of like peripheral drama, they don't do that. Well, to me, I always thought when, when, when Kenny Omega, who has now had a setback, I believe in it, he hasn't had his surgeries yet. I always thought the interest was Adam Cole going with the Bucks and then Omega going against the guys who used to be Cole's or going with the guys who used to be Cole's friends. And I thought Paige might be getting put in here as a proxy for Omega and eventually teaming with O'Reilly and and Fish when Cole finally goes with the Bucks and turns on his friends again, quote unquote, from NXT. I think they're going to go back to status quo. I think it's going to be Cole and, and, and Red Dragon. And it's going to be the Bucks and, and maybe Paige eventually because they, they've been telling that love story for a while as well. Yeah, got to remember, the Bucks are the ones who got Adam Page that title. Yeah, so it's, got, it's the least interesting choice to me, but I think that's the one they go with. Do you think Cole wins the title here? No. Okay. And then the match I'm looking most forward to, not going to be the work rate special, but I am just looking forward to it as a fight as the one feud that has talked me into the building CM Punk against MJF. I loved the promo on Wednesday, Chris. I don't know how you felt about it, but I loved the explanation of, Hey, I might be getting gaslit here, but I'm going to find out it wasn't stupid baby face syndrome. It was punk doing a mea culpa for Things both kayfabe and not kayfabe. I loved the hug. I loved the callback to MJF turning on Cody with a kick in the nuts. And I loved MJF using CM Punk's promo on Raven against from ROH against him in this thing. I thought this was the perfect way to do it. I loved the bleeding. I'm, I'm hoping that they don't bleed out so much they can't do it again on Sunday. But I thought this was a—I thought this was almost a perfect wrap-up for an angle. Now I didn't like the promo today, tonight by Punk necessarily, but I really loved this for the Go Home Show. So once I got past this one major thing, I enjoyed it just fine. Um, the big issue here in terms of continuity is Punk comes out; he is having this real crisis of conscience and everything like that never explores in the slightest what he wants to do, assuming that MJF is, you know, being taken at face value here, what he wants to do with this dog collar match on Sunday. How is this guy possibly going to go forward with a dog collar match that involves brutality with a guy he now feels extreme pity for? Um, I thought, like, he... I, I guess, like, Punk should have been out there trying to call off the match or something, almost. Like... Okay. We, we don't need to actually have this match, match Max. You know, I, I've thought about it. The dog collar is for... I like a, that. Com, yeah, a completely different situation. We don't actually need to have this match, Max. Do you still want to have a match on Sunday? Because, uh, like, I, I don't... If you really think you're this friggin' monster, uh, or, you know, like, or whatever, um, or 
and you feel really guilty about it. I don't know how you then would like take this person to a further level of brutality. No, that's actually a point I hadn't thought about. I actually forgot. Yeah, it's it's like one of those. Look, this is a match for hate, and I don't hate you, Max. You know, one of those things where it's like, look, I'm I'm I. We can call off this match. I'll go fight another opponent or whatever. You can fight another opponent. There's still time to change this on the card, blah, blah, make, make it part of, you know, put a little bit of depth in there, a little bit of work on the story in terms of, okay, how do we get out of this and explain this to people? Blah, 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 blah. Once we already have the match signed, etc. type of thing. But yeah, just threaten to cancel the match or whatever. And, and, uh, and, and then, and then do the, do the turn. No, it's back on now. No, I, I like that idea a lot. Um, who wins this match, Chris? Because I think uh, I think both possibilities are very, very interesting. Yeah. I think Punk's got to win this match because now MJF wants, needs to have to want revenge. And, and we haven't gotten to the MJF wants revenge phase yet. So I think in order for this to finally, you know, hit peak, MJF has to feel like he needs revenge and he needs to get things back. Um, so I think he loses this match and I think it really bothers him. I'm going to go the other way because I think the money match for double or nothing is MJF and Adam page. Now that doesn't explain why I just called the title shot beforehand, because I also think CM Punk and Adam Cole headlining double or nothing is a fascinating, fascinating build. So now I'm double. Th- I'm, I'm I'm having second thoughts because Tony's gonna Tony, but the real to me big money match to put your company in there in the stratosphere. Look, you you either go with st- star power or the homegrown thing, and I don't know which one they're gonna go with, Chris. I I, I my my brain tells me you go. With MJF versus Adam Page. Because they've been with the company since day one. It's to prove that, hey, we can do more than just use old WWE guys in in in, in our thing. And this is really what we want to be about. But man, you got CM Punk and you got Adam Cole. And those two are going to be able to have a promo. That'd be a hotter program. It'd be a, a hotter, hotter program. I'm going to say CM Punk. I think it's going to be CM Punk and Cole a double or nothing. I think, I think, I think that's what I'll go with. Final answer. I think for the record, I think it'll be CM Punk MJF one last time. It might be like, uh, <laughs> MJF might actually go for the career. Like be like, want Punk Ooh. to put his career on the line at, at, at double or nothing. Well, then what would Punk ask for? Shaved head? Oh, got it. <laughs> that's really interesting though. Like what would be the thing that Punk's asking for? Career? Huh. Oh, I mean, you could do nah. an angle with, 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 but you know he's coming back, so it'd be one yeah. of those weak, weak type of things. Yeah, yeah, I know. Reinstatement int- of Cody Rhodes's title, <laughs> t- title shot. <laughs> I, I don't know, like, but I could see. I, I just see the stakes being. You can still raise the stakes further with punk and MJF. I, okay. I don't know. I don't know what the, the MacGuffin that punk would want would be there. Um, but 
Punk fights for Wardlow's freedom. Ooh, that would be something. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. So that uh, that does our revolution preview. We've gone a little long, but uh, let's do some quick hits on on the lazy river here, Chris. Um, Are you sure you don't want me to do five minutes on Hello Fresh? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you don't want to do five minutes. On I'm, I, I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, that's a joke. <laughs> That's oh, I, well, I, I thought you were trying to transition to an ad read. <laughs> no, there's no ad read this week. I Hawk. know. <laughs> just... I was just making a joke about the overly long one last week. Whatever. Oh. God, I, I I have a sense of humor about myself occasionally. I don't. That's my problem. I, I know. know and I you're have no stiff. sense of humor. It's, I'm you a are stiff. Stiff. Uh, stiff. That's where the funny comes from. Uh, <laughs> NXT 2.0. What are we doing with these women? I... I, I Look, I, I most of these people can't do a headlock and can't do a suplex. But Amari Miller went out there and got concussed by Lash Legend. And then you had, look, it was an impressive dive, but that uh, Faraz, what's her first name? Oh, uh, Valentina Faraz. Valentina yeah. Faraz gets shot up into the air for Raquel Gonzalez to catch. And thank God Raquel Gonzalez took the brunt of that hit like she did. But but there's another but the problem dive too. was dangerous as hell to begin with the way she landed and stuff. It was just these well, women are not where ready. She was landing is very dangerous too. that new entryway that they have come up with is has very, very little margin for error. And if you create an error like Valentina Faroe's flying through the sky, she could have easily like broke her neck hitting those metal bars that they they come that are on either side of the entryway it, it, it's it's madness the way they have redesigned the outside of the ring in nxt especially for developmental talents these developmental talents need wider clearances more places to roll and absorb the shock uh it, it i this is an accident waiting to happen and Lash Legend, to your point, atrocious. Uh, oh, it's, it's, I mean, and this the Nikita Lions Lash Legend match, of course, has intrigue for like a car crash thing. And obviously, if you could get Jade Cargill in there, I think it'd be a fascinating watch. Um, but like, uh, I, I don't understand what they're doing, and they're not developing these people. I, that's the big problem here. Uh, just some quick hits on NXT. Other than that. Um... The Windy Chew Dakota Kai team is everything I wanted it to be for one week. They can now lose, but God bless them. It was just unrepentantly stupid as much as I love it. <laughs> uh, I think they beat Cora Jade and Raquel Gonzalez. Oh, do you? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. God help us if they do. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll enjoy it for what it is. Uh, I, and I enjoyed uh, LA Knight is uh is a welcome presence for me now on nxt he really is i i i i, I like somebody who can actually talk on the show and he seems i, I think he's fine yeah. he's not he's not like uh he's not my favorite guy in the not world or whatever guy. but but like he's a very solid mid-card presence in my and, opinion and uh and uh waller is that the name i'm trying to remember here yeah he's great he is he's 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 <laughs> He's going to need some seasoning, some more seasoning, but he is, uh, he at least knows his character and is very self-aware. And I'm, I'm watching him over the past few weeks. He is, uh, he's pretty dang good. Um, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed the main event. I enjoyed, uh, Braun and, and Tommaso 
that's the dirty dogs. I thought, uh, look, if you're not going to do anything with the dirty dogs on the main roster, they might as well be here being the grizzled veterans that they are. Yeah. Um, I, I, I thought it was fine. I, if anything, Bobby Roode could really use a reinvention as like the original legacy champ of uh, NXT. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree there. Uh, NXT UK, uh, the one that I had, the main event this week was pretty damn good. It was, uh, it, uh, uh, God, I can't remember the champ's name all of a sudden. Uh, 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 Ilya, Ilya Dragunov. Yeah. Dragunov and uh, Nathan uh, Frazier. And uh, man, Nathan Frazier, they they got something with him and he is just dying on the vine down there. I, I, uh, I want him and Seth Rollins at a mania sooner than later because Seth's getting older and Frazier's ready, I think. But man, that, that NXT UK thing, look, NXT UK hasn't been hitting on all cylinders and I haven't been watching a lot of it lately, but uh, that match pretty damn good go out of your way to watch it chris anything on your end on the uh lazy river um gunther still horrible like i i, I hate this name it's just skinny not... gunther is is not doing it for me now i had to say that it it does take away from his mystique doesn't it like i yes. i felt like the thing that made walter good is that you could tell that he was in great shape but he was also like slightly larger and that made him more intimidating not less intimidating yeah in no way did you look at bigger walter and go oh i could beat doughboy no you're terrified of that guy like that guy that guy's huge and powerful and you know that everything he does hurts yeah um skinnier gunter yeah i i feel like in a weird way he looks great like i, I mean he looks he looks cut but i i Vince wants him to be, you know, um, an endomorph or an, what's an ectomorph. And that's ectomorph. not, yeah, he wants him to be an ectomorph. And that's not what Walter is. Walter's no. like a really, really, really intimidating endomorph. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it. He has the No, size. it's great. He's awesome. He's tall, for God's sakes, Vince. I would never you? change that. The, the obsession with body guy stuff. And he's, and, he's in, and, he's in, and he's in magnificent shape now. Don't get me wrong, but man, there's just something that's being lost with Walter with abs. I'm sorry. And that maybe that's Gunter. Gunter's the in shape. Gunter's Gunter's the fitness model living inside of Walter. <laughs> uh, a couple of quick hits for me. What's uh, the name of your really in shape person who lives inside of you? Dude, that. That guy died in my twenties because it never. My, my mine's named Crunch, Crunch Novembrino. <laughs> Crunch Novembrino. Okay. Uh, thank you for SmackDown having promos in the camera to begin the show. They weren't great promos, but it was a start. Uh, you know, I, I liked that twist to it. That was cool. The rest of SmackDown was, boy, Pat McAfee was off tonight, just way off, and and that and that. Austin Theory. Boy, he just seemed hit. adrift during the Austin Theory. I think he was thing. high. Like, I think he was high. Dude, I I mean, it. Because it, he referenced it on air. Oh, did he? Well, he referenced that he was into uh, uh, vitamins. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so he just popped too many gummies and, like, was on. Like, he forgot that he was actually a character on the show and it was instead just kind of watching the show. Yeah, I think so. I think. I, think- I yeah. Uh, and and I watched in terms of classic wrestling this week. Uh, I I've been for some reason I got on uh, Chris Zellner's YouTube 
channel and I was watching uh, 81 uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling. And I had never seen them as a team because I had only known from their Japan work a little bit. But uh, the Georgia Tag Team Champions at this time were Terry Gordy and Jimmy Superfly Snuka as heels feuding against Kevin Von Erich and Michael P.S. Hayes, if you can imagine that. This is very young, clean-shaven Michael P.S. Hayes, but he still has that voice where he's been drinking like three bottles of liquor a night. Gordy and Snuka are, are, are riding high on their own supply here, man. Snuka, if you've only seen Jimmy Snuka as kind of the wild-eyed, crazy man from the jungle who Vince McMahon covered for a murder type of person <laughs> um, he is cocky and a bully and it's something that i had never seen before he's wearing a cowboy hat like gordy is to match him and, it, and it's just it's awesome gordy is the cocky heel of this team and he's doing his own little version of the fargo strut after a victory he's egging on snooka to be more of a bully this was magnificent amongst other promos. Cause this is a time where like Piper and Arn Anderson and, or uh, Ole Anderson and a bunch of just dudes who would later become much, much bigger or in the territory. But I had never seen a lot of the Gordy Snooka team. I had heard a lot about them in Japan and how Gordy and Snooka had had a falling out, but I'd never seen them. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Chris, anything else on your end? Not that I could think of. I don't know that I have a, uh, <laughs> We, we 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 did the AEW stuff and yeah no yeah no okay. we're good to go here yeah so we thank you for uh for your patronage as usual this has been shake them ropes I am Jeff Hawkins you can follow me at crap game thirteen for bad takes and dad jokes you can follow Chris at DWATG that stands for don't worry about the government it's the name of his political show he's going to tell you about it now. Don't worry about the government. We dropped an episode this week talking about Ukraine. Uh, you can hear me uh, opine on that on iTunes and on Stitcher and on Spotify. Probably be taping another one here uh, whenever I get a chance to get back and record, hopefully in the next week or so. Follow me at DWATG. And if you want guitar lessons, hit me up on Twitter. And you can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes, all one word updated when a new episode drops every week if you don't want to follow our banter we're okay with that we'll see you next week after revolution good night